confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Uh, John Paul is off again today. So Bernie's taking your calls at 0818103103. Feel free to contact us. You can text in WhatsApp as well to 0862103103. And really trying to get my head around that uh, dreadful shooting that happened. Yet another school shooting in America and this time it's the turn of parents and families and friends and teachers in uh, Texas and at at this stage now they're reporting that at least 19 children and two teachers have died. This was after a teenager broke into the school and opened uh, fire and it's the worst school shooting in the US in nearly a decade and of course they're all talking about it being a decade because that's when the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting happened in 2012 when 28 people died uh, of which 20 were children. Now it was around lunchtime yesterday Texas time that the tragedy uh, emerged. It was an 18 year old suspect who's been identified as Salvador Ramos. Not much is known about him yet but don't you know more will come out in the coming days. It seems he shot his own grandmother the first. Now she managed to survive uh, the shooting. He then fled the scene. He'd been living seemingly with his grandmother for the last number of months and he crashed his car near the Robb Elementary School which is a town 
It's about 130 kilometres west of San Antonio for anybody who knows America well and trying to work out where in Texas uh, it is. And then after crashing the car, he heads into the school. What's going through his mind? I don't know. But he started his bloody rampage now that has left 19 children dead and two teachers and then he seemingly was apparently shot by a police motive at this stage is uh, remains unclear and this little school it consists of children in second third and fourth grade and we're told that the children would have ranged in age from seven to ten so young, young little children and the little town where they lived, it's only 16,000 residents, so a small little town of which about 80% of them are Hispanic, are Latino. And I, I saw almost immediately the President Joe Biden speaking from the White House. Uh, you could see he was visibly shaken when he was talking about it and, you know, went on as he's done before to urge Americans to stand up to the politically powerful US gun lobby which he blamed for blocking enactment of tougher firearms safety laws and they've been speaking about tougher firearms safety laws and nothing ever seems to happen and I quote Joe Biden said to lose a child is like having a piece of your soul ripped away and of course he's a man speaking from experience because he buried um, as, um, uh, as some and mass shootings in the US have frequently led to public protests and it will happen again. You can be guaranteed there will be more public protests after what's happened in Texas and there'll be calls for stricter background checks on gun sales and other firearm controls, which are common, can I say, in so many other countries. But such measures have again and again and again faced such strong opposition from the from the Republicans. And, you know, the gun lobby, which is just so powerful, seems to win time and time uh, again. And when, you know, you think of Sandy Hook Elementary School, that happened in 2012. That's December of 2012, so almost 10 years ago now. And in that 10 years, there has been 900 shootings in schools. And yet still nothing happens. It, it just seems incredible. And I was reading just this morning that firearms have become the leading cause of death for US children and adolescents starting in 2020. And it's actually passed out car accidents up to that. You know, children dying, it was mainly, you know, accidental death was mainly down to car accidents. But now firearms has taken over and firearms are killing more people than are dying in car accidents. It really is shocking and my heart and our thoughts go out to the families. And yesterday when I was watching it as it was unfolding live last night, you could see the parents, you know, it was well. You could just see the backs of these women running, running down the street, running to the school. Because obviously, word went out it was, if there's only sixteen thousand residents, it's a small little uh, community. I thought straight away of remember Dunblane in Scotland, which was just another horrific uh, school shooting. What happened there? And like that in the village of Dunblane, the word went out that there'd been a shooting at the school, and everybody rushed down to the school. And then you were waiting to see whose child had been shot, was your child dead, what child made it? I mean, just what those parents 
had to go through and will have to go through in the coming days and weeks and months. Their lives, let's be honest, will never, ever be the same again. Michael summing it up well in his WhatsApp this morning. Uh, thank you for this. And Michael says, hi, Patricia, words cannot express the shock and the horror of the mass shooting of 14 really innocent children. Uh, and actually that number 14 has gone to 19 and two teachers at their school yesterday. Our thoughts and prayers some of the parents and the families of those innocent children and the teachers. Patricia, I ask, what kind of mindset have those American politicians who were elected to the Houses of Representative in the Senate who keep refusing to pass laws to seriously control the sale of guns in the US of A? What in the holy name is wrong with them? Are they suffering from serious illness? This tragic loss of life lays fairly and squarely at their hands. They are definitely not fit for purpose. Do they have young children and grandchildren attending school today? Do they not realise that one day they might not come home from school? That one day it might be their mother's last time taking their little innocent children to school, which is what is really wrong with them. The mind boggles. Remember Sandy Hook Elementary School? Nothing has been learnt from that 10 years on. So, so sad. May their gentle little souls enjoy the happiness of heaven. They will never be forgotten. They are pure little angels. Thanking you, and that's from Michael. Thank you for that in uh, Castletown Bear. But it's yeah, it's just it's just absolutely uh, shocking. And a lot of the papers picking up on the story today. But a lot of the parents picking up on um, a lot of the papers picking up when we thought there was fourteen children. But of course, then that number has risen to nineteen. Could it go higher? It could because there are some people still in hospital uh, at the at the moment fighting for their lives. So our thoughts very much with their uh, families. Is it the last time we're going to be reporting on a shooting in America at a school. Uh, I think not. Bernie's taking your calls this morning at 0818103103. You can text or you can uh, WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Councillor Declan Hurley in West Cork has just asked me to give a mention to there's a water disruption happening today in Dunmanway. It's from about now until three o'clock this afternoon. It's to do with pipe diversion works on Main Street, Dunmanway, and it's from the Aldi supermarket to the hospital cross. So if you, your water's out in Dunmanway, that's the reason for it. They're hoping to have supplies back by about three o'clock today. On the shooting in America, Pat Informoy has been on to say until they get rid of the old Republicans in America, nothing will change. It is so easy to buy a gun in America. Yeah, I was discussing this with Bernie in the office before we came on air and she was making the point, you know, at 18... And this young fella uh, was, who did the shooting was just 18. At 18, you can walk in and buy a gun in America, yet you can't go in and have a drink until you're 21. So, you know, they deem that young people are not responsible until they're 21 before they're allowed to drink alcohol, yet they'll put a gun in their hands at 18. It makes absolutely no sense. Thank you for your call, Pat. Now, can anybody help out Eileen out on Bear Island? She helps uh, to clean a house for a priest. Now, it's a house that's not in use all of the time. It's only used at part time but she's just discovered that there are a load of bees in the house at the moment and she's afraid to go in do not go in there's obviously a beehive somewhere in their island so she's contacted us to see if we can put a shout out if there's anybody in the area who can take the bees away so is there anybody out on Bear Island or is there anybody who could get out to Bear Island for us who could help out Eileen to remove what is obviously a bees nest in a beehive inside in 
somewhere in the priest's uh, house. If anybody can help us, we've got Eileen's contact details as to remove bees in Bear Island. Or if you can point us in the direction of somebody that we can contact for Eileen, please do. 0818 103 103. Bernie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 With a newspaper report this week uh, suggesting that the government is preparing to pay postmasters a sweetener in an attempt to keep post offices open, will it entice more applicants to come forward to fill vacancies that exist, especially in rural areas? Fianna Fáil, West Cork, Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan joins me this morning with the latest on the future of Goal post office uh, which you've probably heard we're covering on the news with Barry this morning. Good morning to you Christopher. Hey Patricia. And you're welcome. Now Goleen post office it will close at the end of the month if a new postmaster or postmistress cannot be found. Just update us on what on poster saying since we last spoke to you particularly when it, when it comes to applications. Yeah so um, and, and I, I guess what they're saying is, is why we're going down the and uh, why I've decided to go down the, the public meeting kind of community activity, community action route in that. Uh, and plus they're saying that they've received no applications for the position. Uh, and that may well technically be true, but I, I think there's a, a good and valid explanation for that. Um, because I can tell you one thing for sure, Patricia, there certainly has been interest um, shown in operating a post office in Goleen. I know that myself because when we began the campaign a number of weeks ago, uh, we've been contacted by many people who would be interested in such a position. Um, you're talking double figures, uh, at least, in terms of those who have shown interest. And we've, yeah, and, and, uh, and sorry to interrupt you, but I know we yeah. had calls and we were directing them to your office to yeah. say, look, if you want more details, Christopher is, is you know, is, is pointing people in the right direction. So we were sending people your way. So there definitely was interest. There was interest, and it's the next step is um, why I believe that they have received no official applications because um, this isn't, uh, as we covered before in the show, Patricia, it's not like applying for a salary pay position. You don't just, uh, it's not a case of on post paying you uh, a salary of uh, 30,000 a year or whatever it may be. It's essentially you're running it as um, your own business. So it's, it's a lot more complicated. And what happened when we... Um, put people in touch with OnPost and we gave them the correct details of who to contact within OnPost to uh, express interest in the position. That's where I think it's fallen down from OnPost. And if I was critical of how OnPost are approaching this, is that they're not being, um, I don't think, proactive enough and helpful enough in guiding people through the next steps because essentially what's happened after people expressed an interest is that they were sent a link. And the link was to uh, what OnPost call retail partnership. Uh, which essentially suggests that it's for someone who already has a shop, who already has a cafe, who already has a business or a premises, that they could operate the post office in, in that corner. And that's fine. That, that's the model that Impost uh, are running in rural areas at the moment, and, and it's working in, in, in a lot of cases. Um, but it, it contained 39 pages of conditions, for example. Someone who perhaps isn't from the area, who doesn't know Goldene that well, but you're looking at this as an option, and you see, you know, 39 pages of conditions and it talks about having your own shop and retail. It's quite daunting and it's off-putting. So I can understand why that didn't turn into good, solid applications. What I would love to have seen happen is for uh, the personnel section of, of OnPost or for the appropriate section of OnPost to actually pick up the phone and ring people and say, look, uh, I know you're looking at 39 pages of 
conditions there, but actually here's what we could do. And here we, we, we have contacts in Goline. We know the um, existing postmistress there, etc. We will help you if you're genuinely interested in this. But I think it was just a case of we'll send you the link and nobody comes back. And, and okay, did, we'll do, do, do you know, did on post work with the outgoing postmistress? Because I know she's desperate to find a solution. She is, and look, I'm, I'm, Brida would have to um, uh, talk to you about that. I'm sure she had a, a good relationship with Unpost. She was there uh, for quite a number of years operating an absolutely terrific service. Um, so I'm, I'm sure she had, had her own relationship uh, with them. Uh, but, you know, it came to a point for her to make her own decision. And we absolutely have to respect that. No, I, I know, I absolutely, I, I absolutely, and, and I know yeah. we reached out to Breathe. She didn't want to talk to us, but she, she did say she, with great sadness that she's finishing up, but she feels her time has come. But I'm wondering, have on post liaised with her to help to find a solution? Well, I, I know this, uh, that uh, Breda, in fairness to her, uh, did uh, suggest an offer uh, a slight extension to her period and her um, time running the office in Gulling just to give everybody an opportunity um, perhaps to find a solution. And Impost haven't been forthcoming, uh, in my understanding, in arranging that. Now, I'm just, I've, I've only found this out today, so I'm going to straight away, uh, after this call, pick up the phone to Impost and say, listen, here we have someone who has suggested that she is willing um, to give bias an extra bit of time, give us a buffer zone, so that perhaps, as a community, um, that we can come together uh, and try to find a solution. And, and that's the whole purpose of, of the meeting on Monday, is that what I would love to see from that is, first of all, gauge the appetite for keeping the post office there. And I've absolutely no doubt that that appetite is there. Now, you've seen that reaction probably on social media and, and just in, in the media itself, and just from talking to people. But secondly, to find out, is there an appetite there for somebody in the area uh, to take it on? There are premises uh, down there that are suitable. There are businesses down there that, that could take it on, be it uh, cafes, um, community centres, uh, you know, uh, shops, etc. You know, I, I think by coming together and banding together and using local knowledge, my hope is that we give on post no other choice but to listen. The, 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 it's due to close on, on May 31st. There may be a, a small period where um, some of these accounts are transferred to Skull and Doris, but if the appetite is there, I can't see any problem in getting them transferred back to Goleen uh, if we do uh, get a successful solution here. And what you mentioned there at the start of your show, Patricia, that €12,000 per annum subvention, €1,000 per month, I really think that could be a game-changer. Now, Hildegard Nocton uh, brings it to Cabinet this week. I'm I would be absolutely shocked if that didn't get approval considering the pressure that rural backbenchers are putting on government. That could be a game changer. And do you think then, that would be enough, that that would be the difference between somebody making it financially viable or not? 100% I do. Yeah. No, it, it depends on how it's divvied out. Obviously it's not as simple as there's about 900 post offices altogether. I, I don't think it's as simple as giving 12,000 to each. It would have to be divvied out probably um, in a certain way depending on population, geography, etc. But um, at the moment, what we're hearing is that it's becoming more difficult to run these post offices um, as a profit-making business. Therefore, there's going to have to be subvention. And 12,000 a year, I think that's that, that's something that will uh, pique interest in people. But it's more than just a subvention. The subvention has to be just a kind of an interim um, measure, I think. We have to look at other models. And the model that is continuously... Um, I suppose, pointed to as it being a success is what they've done in New Zealand, in New Zealand post offices, where they've turned them into community banking centres. And 
to to the point where these community banking um, post offices are now responsible for 12.5% um, of banking activity. That You compare that to Ireland where the two the, the pillar banks are controlling 95% of the banking. It would be a fantastic model to follow. So we, what we need to do is buy ourselves a bit of time to get that model up and running. I think the subvention would be key to that, the 12,000 subvention. But what I would really plead, Patricia, anyone listening to this from Mizzenhead, the western part of, of, of the Cork West constituency, who would be interested um, in maybe taking up uh, this type of role in running the post office, considering the fact that this subvention will uh, almost definitely now be coming down the line. Please come along to the meeting on Monday night. Um, we'll have okay. a discussion. We'll, we'll, we'll lay all cards on the table um, and hopefully have a bit more information from on post and um, as I said, after this um, uh, conversation with you, Patricia, I'll be contacting on post straight away and to ask why um, uh, the current postmistress's offer to extend uh, just to give us a bit of time hasn't been... And, uh, I, and I think that's important because I think if it closes, it's going to be harder to reopen it. Whereas if, uh, if a really kind offer of uh, for, on behalf of Breathe, if Breathe could stay on, while in the interim somebody then is getting sorted out to take it over I think that's definitely got to be a much better solution Definitely no that that is the ideal solution because you're right it's always difficult to bring something back um, yeah yeah okay the meat, if, the meat. I, would, I, I would I would say though that if, if, if we do have a situation where it does close on May 31st I would not I would ask people not to lose hope I will do everything possible in my capabilities to ensure that it comes back okay. So the meeting on Monday uh, time and venue so it's uh, APM uh, okay. in Goline in the parish hall in Goline which is up there near the National School across okay. the and, church. And in uh, particular yeah, for for people who want to keep this post office open and I know there is a huge amount of support for it it's important that people uh, turn out uh, for that. Okay and you can update us uh, Christopher on anything you get back from on post and also as to what happens on uh, Monday. In the meantime I saw you were in Kinsey last week with the public show of, of support for the Piper family and actually well done to you for raising it uh, with the Taoiseach. Do you hope the Cork County Council will find a heart as the Taoiseach said? Um, look, I don't want to be too harsh on Cork County Council. I, I, was, I was a councillor for years as you know Patricia and I always had a good relationship with them but I would really love if they would show some I suppose degree of empathy towards a family who are so well liked, so well respected and have provided incredible services mainly for kids uh, and as, as Brendan Piper said himself, just providing memories um, for, for kids. And, and I, I said it at the event in Kinsale in, in Short Key on Sunday. I've been speaking to the TDs up here, and Dara Cleary now won't, won't, won't mind me mentioning his name, but Dara used to holiday in Garrettstown as a kid with his family, and he adored going into the front for his papers. And he, <laughs> he, remembers, has, yeah. he remembers the showman's wagon. And you're talking about TDs now in their 50s and 60s with, with memories. And um, I really, look, it, it's... It, Short Key is it's quite actually it's quite a spacious spot, and I I can think it has easily accommodated the show wagon over the years. I think it can accommodate the show wagon again. I really really hope that the Cork County Council don't trip themselves up with legal quagmires and go legal on this. I think there has to be a resolution, and I do understand that after Monday's municipal district meeting, that the chair John O'Sullivan is going to meet with the pipers. Um, and see if, if um, some type of resolution Yeah, could be and I know solicitors through. are involved in all of that, so hopefully a solution will be fi- found. And just very, very finally, we've been dealing with the issue of uh, passport delays on, on the programme uh, this week. Is your office helping many constituents trying to get their passports? 
um, it's absolutely overrun with passport queries at the moment. No, you know, obviously we need to put in more resources uh, into the passport office. There's absolutely no doubt about that because the delays aren't good enough. But having said that, I think last year there was about, uh, I know the 900,000 applications, um, passport applications process, we're up to about 1.5 million this year, I believe it's going to be. The, the increase in demand for passports is unbelievable. It's understandable because we've been in lockdown. And, and we knew it was, um, and we knew it was going to happen. I mean, it wasn't that it just came out of the blue like the pandemic I think, did. I, I think we knew it was going to happen, but to the extent, to the scale that it's happening, I don't think anyone predicted that. But look, I suppose a bit of good news today, and, and I would urge anybody who is having issues with with their passport, don't be afraid to contact my office on 023 11011. Uh, the reason I say that is that there's a specific uh, TD Iraqis helpline set up for us. Uh, I know that people are spending. Um, hours upon hours upon hours just trying to get through to the passport office for a bit of assistance. Uh, in constituency offices right across Ireland, passports um, queries are coming to DDs and centres because we do have this Iraqis helpline, which perhaps is a quicker way of, um, of of getting through. Now, my staff in my office probably won't thank me no, for this. I, but and this, I, and this I would what, emphasize as well, for. this is for people who urgently need their, their passport. If you're getting a passport and you're not traveling until the end of the year, you have loads of times to play around with. But there are just yeah. some people caught up where, with, where it's yeah, urgent. For new passports, yeah. for, for children, first-time passports crazy. in particular, crazy. get a plane. Now, even if you haven't booked your holiday, get a plane okay. because they're the All ones right. that are taking the longest. Okay, we'll speak again, Christopher. Thank you thank for that you. and thanks thank uh, for bye joining bye. us. That is West Cork, Fianna Fáil, Dáil Deputy uh, Christopher O'Sullivan. And by the way, when I mentioned that uh, Christopher was one of the speakers at the public turnout of the show support for Piper, for the show wagon, that we've been discussing this issue on the programme. Can I say I was really taken aback and saddened to read in the paper today that uh, one of the, fin- the Kinsale-based Fine Gael uh, councillors, Kevin Murphy, was speaking at the Cork County Council's Band in Kinsale Municipal District meeting uh, this week, talking about the abuse that he has received online to the point that uh, he ended up, he, like his health has been affected by it with the online abuse. And also, he said his party uh, colleague, Kinsale Councillor Maria Sullivan, has also been the victim of very vindictive online attacks over the funfair issue. That is simply wrong. And particularly, Kevin uh, Murphy is somebody I know really well through my dealings with him on the programme and there isn't a man who uh, does not have a a passion and a belief in the town of Kinsale and he he only does anything that he can to help that area and it really shocks me that people can decide just because someone isn't happy with something that a councillor has said that they can then become, they can take to social media and keyboard warriors and uh, start vindictively abusing people and attacking people online. That simply has to uh, end. So as I say, sorry to hear that Kevin Murphy and Maria Sullivan are going through that at the moment 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Now on Monday on the programme we mentioned that owners of Ireland's thatch cottages fear they could face extinction unless the state intervenes to help them to secure affordable insurance cover. Tipperary Independent All Deputy Matty McGrath even offered to take the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan on a tour of thatch cottages in his area to help rescue the last few remaining traditional cottages. And uh, Matty 
McGrath joins me this morning. Good morning, Jamati. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, I'm, I'm trying to get an estimate of, of how many are left. It's anything between 1,000 and no more than 2,000 thatch cottages. That's all we have left in existence in this country. Do you believe, from a heritage point of view, we must try to preserve the ones that are left? Well, of course I do. And indeed, the county council, when I was a member back in probably nine or ten, you know, uh, listed some of them that weren't listed at the time, and that was, you know, were reasonable touch on it, were, 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 were deemed listed building, and that's all fine and dandy, but it puts huge expense in on the owners, and uh, no, very little grants, a slight grant, but very, very little. But the bigger problem now has become insurance brokers will not, you know, uh, renew the policies, and they will not um, even quote you for policies for the tax pub. And Eamon Ryan could lend a lot, two reasons, because these houses were eco-friendly ever before Eamon Ryan or Matthew McGrath was born. So, I mean, they were, they were warm in the in the winter, and they were cool, nice and, and cool, cool in, in the, the summer. summer yeah, yeah. And you'd have to warm them, you had the open fire, and God, you had all the animals around the yard, and some fabulous, you know, families were aired, and um, some of them are in pristine condition. There's a good few in Tipperary, and it's, it's shocking that I have one case where it was a pub, uh, a pub and a house, and unfortunately the pub closed 12 months ago because they could not get insurance on the pub mm-hmm. part of the building. And it's a beautiful attached pub, uh, you know, beautiful, set in the in the foothills of the of, of the Ganty Mountains. Beautiful. And we had a number of attached pubs, actually, in, in South Tipperary, but this is one that failed to get insurance, they failed to get a quote. So that's not acceptable. I think if the government have a policy something like this, they should ensure then that there's some kind of support or some kind of at least a reasonable access to insurance for the, the, the owners because it's just not fair to have them operate without insurance. It's too high risk, too much worry. And the punitive charges and the fact that they won't even be quoted is ridiculous. And let's also remember, it's a, it's very much part of our tourist product. I mean, we have people who come to this country, Americans in particular, and you'll see people stopping to take photographs. And, and usually the people who live in these thatched cottages, they realise the importance of the heritage of where they're living. And they don't object in any way to people, you know, constantly pulling up outside their houses taking photographs. Yes, and the old sayings as well, part of our literature, you know, goes back to the Lawn Scholar, Lawn Agiha, whatever. You know, there were many, many Irish sayings that a windy day wasn't the day to go touching the roof. And they were all based on common sense and huge common sense. And the people did go, I remember where I lived, they used to go down to the entrance to Waterford and Kenny just bought it there and, and cut the, 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 not the rushes, but the, the reeds and bring them back and have them dried and ready. And then there was uh, lighter, you know, straw used for the crowning of it and then you had a very skilled skillful person very rare a scarce attachers whatever it was a, when they were coming it was like a trashing because you were prepared for them you put them up you fed them you shared folklore at night and um, you know maybe the old Korak uh, or indeed a bit of music Huel, and, and, and crack so they were part of our heritage mm-hmm. and this is the living heritage that we have and Eamon Ryan all these grandiose schemes about putting grass on roofs of houses if these houses can get insurance, they would become derelict and the grass will grow on top of the thatch. Or what happens then? The thatch will fall in on top of the house and shin dead or antique. That's the end of it. And, and, it's, and am, I, am I right in saying that this is, that there's a Brexit implication here? The last underwriter pulled out. Was that because of Brexit? 
well as we were told. But as I said, the government should cop themselves on this country. We're great at introducing schemes and introducing statutory instruments and everything else, and we have no idea of the impact and the uh, and there's no analysis done or critique done of the uh, of what uh, what impact this may have on these lovely this area detached houses. Yes, seventy breakers uh, is blamed for a lot of things, but it's blamed here. But in any case, I said if the council and the, and the government, to the agents of the council, want to list a building. They must ensure that there's insurance available as a public body. They must ensure that the person who owns the building, that we can't do anything. Like that. we, in the county council of the government, instruct you this building is now listed. And um, you, and then you can't get insurance for it. So that's that's, that's uh, akin to telling you, you can't live in your house anymore. You must get out of your house or whatever, because that's very high-handed. So we must look at it and, and try and keep and preserve the lovely tax buildings we have there's indeed a, a, a community of them in Holy Cross and Tipperary right I, here I the know Abbey. them well and they're, they're, they're stunning they're, they're stunning. stunning and they're stunning and then we had a Tash pub and Greg under the under the Knockwell Downs yeah. and so it was a couple of years of pity but then with a lovely Tash pub and Malaluby Keating's pub so they're around and they're here and they're there but, and people want to maintain them but they want to be able to have the comfort of knowing that they're insured. Yeah, That's and of course, one of the reasons, uh, you know, somebody's saying, what, what, what's the problem with, get, with getting the insurance on them? The theory is that the roofs are high combustible nature. But I, when I knew you were coming on today, I was trying to do some research yesterday. I can't find many of them that just self-combust and went, went on fire. No, I don't either. What did happen in some cases in the past, and it was kind of a trap, people that couldn't maintain them or whatever. I'm going back now 40 years ago or more. They may have put corrugated steel or on top of them. And that became certainly a, a, you know, a, a kind of a dangerous situation because if they go on fire, because it would be so dry. Yeah. These are weather-beaten or whatever. They, get, they, they can handle all weathers. But when there's galvanized over them, they became so dry they were powder cake, but not the ordinary detached house is put on in such a way that not they're not any you know you have no eaves as such, but you have a carefully crafted, skilled, uh, you know, roof put on those, and they just they withstand any winds and hur- many winds and hurricanes and everything else. But it certainly would be a shame to lose it. Yeah, and, it would indeed. And come here just to finish off. Did you, did Eamon Ryan respond to your kind offer? to take him on a day trip around Tipperary to look at Hopefully some of the Hopefully in the holidays. I think really? he's afraid I might bring him out to Moniaha. You know what that is. Out, to the, bog, out to the bog <laughs> and give him half a day if he bent over a foot and turf. He's probably afraid of that. But look, again, the folly of the turf is that you know, Patricia, the, 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 the demographics of the people who cut the turf are older people. So this practice is going to fade away. It's more of the pity. It's more in two Asian, But it's going to fade away. So the big Ferrari about this and the stick to people so people were building eco-friendly houses and they were sheltered in proper places, you know, sheltered in b- b- behind the hills and they weren't doing any damage at their own water supplies ever before Emma Ryan was even, uh, you know, a bad thought in his father's head. So I'm just saying uh, that's the way it was. Okay. And, and it happened, you know. All so. right. On that note, we leave it, uh, Matty. But do let us know if uh, Eamon decides to, to join you. I think it'd be an interesting uh, day uh, trip indeed. Listen, we leave it there. Uh, thank you for joining us. And I'll bring him down to Nagel's and Kilchiel and we'll uh, have a little, little bit of watering as well. Nice place to go. Thanks for that, Matty. Bye-bye. That is uh, Tipperary Independent uh, Dáil Deputy uh, Matty McGrath on his campaign to try to save the thatched uh, cottages. It would be a, such a shame uh, to see them go. 0818 103 103
Bernie Stecton, your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Owen Kamalik was on about thatched cottages. And he said there's a lovely old cottage in Brewery. Uh, but the people built a bungalow next to it and it's now falling into disrepair. Probably couldn't get insurance on the thatch or couldn't get anybody to do the thatch. There is one restored, though, he said, in Ballyneesey. And there's one restored in Kilfinnan. And when they are restored, a beautifully thatched cottage, there is nothing like them. They really are quite stunning. And they are part of our heritage and it would be just dreadful uh, if we lost them all. Do you know put some of your calls and comments in? Thank you to a gentleman who has passed on the name of somebody who can deal with bees in the West Cork area and we've pushed we've been onto that person and we've, we're putting them in contact with the Eileen out on Bear Island and hopefully we'll get that situation sorted in the priest's house that isn't used that often but uh, Eileen has discovered there's bees there doesn't afraid to go in and absolutely we're saying don't go anywhere near it we'll get an expert to try to sort it out so thank you there was no name on the person who sent in the suggestion of who we could get, could get onto to sort it so we're working on that at the moment I mentioned Piper's Fun Fair and there was a huge show of public support last Sunday in Kinsale in the hope that uh, the Fun Fair can remain in the town of Kinsale. Tom in Bantry says he remembers Piper's coming to Bantry when he was a child. They gave so much joy to so many people. It would be a shame if we lost Piper's from Kinsale. Yeah, and lots of people. It's part of everybody's childhood isn't it the memories coming to town and the excitement when they used to come I don't know if they, if it has the same effect on children today but certainly when I was growing up it used to be the highlight of the summer when the fun fair came to town thank you Tom for your call to 0818103103 on the dreadful dreadful killings in America yesterday in Texas Dara in Bantry and you know I was thinking well, how does it stop how do we stop these shootings that going on in America and the gun laws and how do we get through to the powers that be in America that something needs to be done it is too easy to get a gun in the States and Dara in Bantry says Patricia if the Sandy Hook killings 10 years ago didn't change hearts and minds of Americans in relation to gun control then absolutely nothing will and what happened yesterday is almost a mirror image of uh, Sandy Hook Uh, Dara says the US is a vassal state to the NRA and of course the NRA are the National Rifle Association in the uh, States and when Dara's text came in I just had to take a quick look at the National Rifle Association it's it's America's longest standing civil rights organisation well what about the rights of those children that were killed yesterday but when you just go into their just into their home page you know they you know talking about they've articles you know they're, they've various articles on it but also encouraging people to join the National Rifle Association in America saying our rights are under attack like never before you know join today they're tireless defenders of the second amendment uh, rights and it just is quite scary just to look down through their page and the amount of support they have and I've also seen in their news section that uh, former President Donald J. Trump is to address the National Rifle Association members at their annual meeting uh, this year. So no surprise uh, there. But will anything else happen? As I mentioned, they'll be back out protesting again following what's happened in Texas. And, you know, over the coming days, those funerals of those little children 
will will be held and you'll, you'll hear from the parents calling for something to be done about gun control. But, you know, they just don't seem to learn. They, the Americans just don't seem to learn. It is truly shocking. 0818 103 103. On insurance, when we were talking about the insurance of the thatched uh, cottages, with Matty McGrath I mentioned we spoke about it and we touched on the thatch cottages on Monday when I was doing my piece with Peter Boland with the Alliance of Insurance uh, Reform and um, he uh, joined us you know just to talk about the rising insurance costs and the effect now it's having on our summer festivals and our fates and our agricultural shows and that some of them well many of them are certainly going to have to increase their prices but there's the possibility we could lose some of these festivals and they're very much part again of our tradition of growing up we all I remember going along to those festivals when we were children and they're very much a part of today of family life for today of people going out and just having fun at them and it would be dreadful because of rising insurance costs if many of them couldn't go ahead. Dan says by text, Patricia, why on earth do we allow insurance companies to have such control and basically Dan feel rips us off to the extent that businesses are closing down because insurance costs are gone so high. What is wrong with a legal sign on a premises saying that if you enter you are not covered by insurance thereby putting the onus on each individual says uh, Dan. Well, I know that the government are working on and talks about doing something on duty of care, that we all have duty of care when we enter a premises that if something happens, you know, how much of it was our own fault that the accident uh, happened. I can never see a situation where we would get to that stage where everybody would go into a premises and you do it all at your your own risk. I, I can't see us going down that route, but we certainly need to look at duty of care when individuals go into a premises. But I also think, Dan, it, it's a society thing. We've we've become litigious. We have a fall now. And before we even go to a doctor, the first thing we're thinking of is not all of us, some people. First thing some people think of is how much money could I make out of this? And you've got repeat offenders and I call them offenders who will put in claim after claim after claim. And nobody can be that unlucky to have that many trips and falls and bumps in their car that they're in and out of court every couple of years or every couple of months in some cases. So I do think we need to move away from that very litigious society in which we live. How we get to the end of that, I don't know. 0818103103. And actually, I also, when I was speaking with Christopher O'Sullivan, touched on passports because we are hearing of so many people having problems with their passports and I know whenever they contact us people contact us here at the radio station to see if we can help we just say to them who's your who's your local TD go to your local TD because the Rockness members have that line into the passport office they're allowed so many calls a day that they can put through and the passport office will take a look then at individual uh, cases for them but you know Christopher was saying yeah, the staff in his office are inundated with people contacting them and they're doing their best to try to sort the problem with the uh, passports and he was saying that it's getting through to the passport office is so difficult for individual people that's why the Oireachtas members have this dedicated line so they're able to get through quicker and easier than you or I can and I was reading on the papers today of a County Meath mother who said she had to make 125 attempts over the course of one day to try to get through to the passport office to query what was happening with her son's passport application. A hundred and 25 calls. That's the one thing with their smartphones. You can see the number of times that you've rang a number. In one day, I thought when I, when I heard her talk about 125 attempts, I thought she was going to say over a week. That was in one day. Now, she eventually 
on the 125th call got through to somebody and somebody actually took her call and she discovered then that the local guard the station where she had gone to get her child's passport photograph stamped and printed and to say yeah this is the person the local guard the station had misplaced the book in which they had recorded her passport application and guess what when she finally got through to the passport office they said you've got to start from scratch you've to begin the process all over again she's due to go out on holidays at the end of June now her two older children already have passports it's her youngest child who's 18 months didn't need a passport in the last two years so is only now applying for it And in fairness to this young mother, she was doing everything right in that she started the passport application back in February before she'd even booked the holiday. She wasn't allowing it to chance and wasn't doing it, you know, a week or two before or hadn't the holiday booked. But she started the process back in uh, February. She uh, was receiving updates on the tracker, informing her that everything was going fine and that the passport application was gone through. She was in the process and she was told she'd have her completed passport on the 6th of May. So that gave her the nod to say, OK, I'll go ahead and I'll book the holiday. So the holiday now is booked for the end of June. Lo and behold, the 6th of May came and no passport had arrived. And that's when she decided, decided to pick up the phone to find out what had happened to little baby Keane's uh, passport. And that was the day, 6th of May, 125 calls later. She basically got through and they said, oops, the guard the book has been misplaced. You have to start all over again. So she had to reapply. Um, the passport office again failed to get back to her when she was trying to query would she have to reapply for another birth cert for the baby or would the original one that she submitted would that do couldn't get through uh, again eventually anyway she got everything together sent it all off and she's been given a new date of the 9th of June but she's already saying that she won't believe it until she has the passport in her hand but she has to have I mean the ni- hopefully she'll get it on the 9th of June and she'll be able to go away at the end of June but what a stressful time that mother has gone through all to get her son's passport and then there's another family quoted in the paper from County Tyrone they're also waiting on a passport for a six year old little boy they applied even further than the County Mead mother they applied back in uh, January they're also hoping to go on a family holiday now time is really ticking they're planning on going to Mallorca on the 31st of May which is next week they were tracking the little fella's pass uh, passport and then suddenly it, they, it wasn't being recognised so they contacted the, pa- the passport office to say they were tracking it everything was fine but suddenly it wasn't being recognised the tracker number wasn't being rec- recognised and she, she managed to get through to the passport office she didn't say how many calls she had to make but they couldn't give her an explanation how, how suddenly it's like the application disappeared out of the system so last Friday she decided to get on the bus from County Tyrone Straban in County Tyrone and she went to Dublin went to the passport office in person and was told sorry we can't assist you we can't assist you but we'll give you a call on Monday and by the way Monday came and went and she failed to get any phone call uh, from them and she, she, you know, she's quoted as saying it's soul destroying all the children are looking forward to this holiday and she said we could lose out completely because they can't leave a six year old behind and take the rest of the family away and yet the Department of Foreign Affairs are still saying that a major cause of delays is the fact that passport applications are not correctly completed and they say 14 
30% are incomplete. But yet we've lots and lots of examples of people saying we've done everything right and something else has gone wrong. Nothing to do with the people who are making the application. And the Department of Foreign Affairs are still saying that first time applications take the longest to process there obviously has to be security checks. I understand that when you're giving out passports for children, you've got to be very careful. So, And I understand the importance of the document of which a passport uh, is. Uh, but something else needs to happen to help people. There are too many people caught up in it. What are we at now? 195,000 people waiting on a passport. They're still saying, though, the first time applications, if everything is right, are taking 30 uh, working days. And I saw Simon Coveney, who is, of course, the minister, with responsibility. He is the Minister for Foreign uh, Affairs. He says he is admitting though that the state needs to get better at communicating with people to avoid high levels of errors in passport uh, forms. He He's denied though that his department were blaming delays on people who filled out forms incorrectly. He's saying they are simply outlining the factual position. And of course he went on you know, to say, and Christopher O'Sullivan backed that up as well, saying that the problem that they have this year are the amount of people that are applying for passports. I mean, so far this year, they've issued more than half a million passports and we're only coming to the end of the fifth month and that's 80% of what they would normally issue across a full year and they it's just dramatically increased the number of applications this year and they reckon 1.4, 1.5 passports is what would be issued this year but just put more staff in. We heard you was it yesterday I, I saw a piece where they were talking about upping the staff there's 600 I think working there and they're talking about upping it to 900 and I know Sean Sherlock our local East Corkdall deputy in in Labour Dáil deputy he's again and he's been banging this drum for I'd say a few years at this stage saying why can't we have a printing press for passports in Cork would that not speed up the process at least for passports coming out of the Munster area and he seems to be getting nowhere with that particular uh, suggestion I know Andreas Moynihan also says we need to simplify so it's you know a lot of our elected representatives are trying their best they're coming up with uh, suggestions and I can understand why they are because they are getting so many calls in from constituents saying can you help me with my passport and just staying on the whole issue of travel there's a lovely WhatsApp in from Jared, and thank you Jared, for this to say hi Patricia would you please give a mention to Cork Airport I passed through there yesterday evening and it was a a sheer pleasure. Wonderful ladies working in the duty free there and they were very, very helpful. No big crowds. There was places to sit and a very friendly atmosphere throughout by all of the airline staff going through security. Absolute pleasure with a professional service, but tinged with friendliness and a civil attitude. Having passed through many, many airports recently, I was seriously thinking of never flying again. But my experience at Cork Airport has changed my mind. Isn't that lovely? That's from Gerard, who I can see from his number is WhatsApping us from... I want to say somewhere in the UK, but I don't think it is. Uh, it's overseas anyway. It's an, uh, it's an overseas WhatsApp that's come in. Thank you for that, Jared. I don't know if you're listening to us online or uh, not, but that is that is lovely to hear. And anyone that goes through Cork Airport will say the same thing. But the problem we have at Cork Airport, there just isn't enough 
flights and that obviously is making the experience for those who are lucky enough to book a flight and if the flights are going to your destination and the flight times are right and there is availability it is an absolute pleasure to pass through Cork Airport because unfortunately it isn't as busy certainly it's not as busy as it was pre the pandemic we need to get more flights out of uh, Cork Airport and I know I was on a recent trip and I had to go out of Dublin and, and um, you know Dublin is great and all that but I just hate going out of Dublin Airport I, I really do and the anxiety levels in advance of going because you were almost anticipating how bad it was going to be have to say the day I flew uh, it wasn't I think all of my prayers and novenas were answered we managed to get through reasonably okay it was busy but we did get through reasonably okay and I spotted a thing actually um, Dublin airport in arrivals yes, it seemed to be yesterday evening there was a huge fight broke out in the arrivals department between two fa- it was a f- two families at war and uh, I think one man has ended up in hospital and of course what does everybody do takes out their phones and people were videotaping uh, the fight but what struck me was because it was at arrivals now I couldn't look at the fight part I can never I can never watch somebody inflicting pain on somebody else but I was watching the, the bit that I saw and, and the commentary that I saw about it what struck me was that this was in arrivals and I was just thinking could you imagine somebody coming to Ireland for the first time and that's the first thing they're going to witness when they got off the plane. Shocking. 0818 103 C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. An experienced ground worker and our 360 machine driver wanted for the band in Cork uh, area's email info at crow-bar.ie A handyman wanted for gardening, painting and general maintenance that's in the Castle Magna area may actually suit a student 086 3289 Production operators are wanted for weekday and weekend shifts that's at Alps in Mill Street call 029 706-77. And a childminder wanted for a one-year-old and a four-year-old. It's two days per week and it's in the Drumahan area starting in August. Call 087-092-9902. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Okay, following on from a sold-out run of Love Song in 2019, Red and Blue Theatre Company are returning with an award-winning comedy called The Flags to give us a flavour of what the play is about. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined in studio by two of the actors, Jenny Fennessy and Dylan Kennedy. And it's so great to have people live in studio. Good morning to you both. Thanks so much for having us. And and you're very welcome. It just feels so weird. I've spent so much time interviewing everybody over the phone. And I'm trying to think, the last time I spoke to you, was it over the phone or were you live in studio? We were here. were you a studio, studio yeah. yeah and that was 2018 or 19 19 19 yeah. my no. goodness my no. goodness now th- this play The Flags has been described as a mixture of Father Ted and Martin McDonough <laughs> T- the story is set in Banna Beach who wants to tell me about the story well, it's basically about two lifeguards on the second worst beach in Ireland and they're looking for a promotion to ban a strand is where they'd love to be. Um, but they have to um, undergo an inspection to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the history of the two lifeguards, one of them has been to California and he has like all the pomp and ceremony about that, but he also was a bit of a Lothario before he disappeared. So okay. the past comes back to haunt him a little bit <laughs> in terms of what gets washed up on the beach 
a, a bride. We'll just say a, a girl <laughs> okay. in a bridal dress. It's kind of bonkers. The play gets a bit bonkers, but in a really fun, crazy way. Yeah. Um, and the play was written by Bridget O'Connor. Um, oh, tell me about Bridget. Bridget. Yeah, so Sadly, no longer with us. Yeah, and yeah. I I don't know why, but I feel like, I don't know, there's a sort of responsibility to share the play because it was never done in Cork. Her father was from Newmarket. Some of her cousins uh, are coming to see the play. Oh. And I imagine they haven't seen it before. Maybe they have, I don't know. But um, So she's a beautiful, brilliant writer. And the play was first done in Manchester, never done by an Irish company. That's interesting. And it yeah. was, and I, I read somewhere, she wrote it in Cork. She did. She did, yeah. Yeah, yeah she wrote it while she lived in Cork. Yeah. Yeah. And you get it in Cork audiences have never seen it. And it's absolutely hilarious. That's incredible, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We're and, so privileged. And with her, I feel like, ah, look, I, I don't know, but I feel like, you know, it takes so long as an artist to craft and to kind of get your name out there. And I feel like her journey was on the up and just starting. And it's sort of... So sad. Yeah, sad that there's only this little bit that we have of her, yeah. but it's great and it's so lovely to be able to share it. And how did she come across the play, Jenny? Um, Dylan auditioned for it. I oh. did, yeah. Mm. When I first left drama school, it was sent to me in the post, which never happens anymore. And I held on to the script. I didn't get the part, but I loved the play straight away. Yeah. And I was like, one day I will do this play. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of how we've ended up in this in this kind of situation. Because yeah. 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 is, it, is it difficult, um, Jenny, to decide what, you know, what, how do you know what's going to work? I mean, obviously, Dylan's, you've got a gut instinct about this one. Yeah, you're right. I do feel connected I, to it. I, yeah. I, when we read it, it was absolutely hilarious. And you sometimes, so rarely, actually, you read a play and you're laughing out loud. And we think, yeah. if we're both laughing out loud and the first day we did the read-through in the room with the other actors, you just think, this is actually brilliant. This is very, very funny. And I think it's great when people haven't seen the play already because there's no expectations. Yeah. They have no idea about where it's going to go. So I feel like... It's a really brilliant play. I feel like we're really lucky to do it. Yeah. yeah. And it did win awards. It did. It won awards in Manchester when did it? yeah, so it was out in Manchester and Hull and it came to Dublin and Belfast, but never anywhere else in Ireland. But it oh. won Manchester Evening Awards. Oh. Um, at least then, at yeah. least she saw Bridget saw it being successful. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which, which which is great. Now you're performing it in the Cork Arts Theatre. Is it performed in such a way that the audience feel they're on the beach? <laughs> yes, I definitely think so. Yeah. We have an amazing set and we have loads of sand that we're bringing in. And I think when you walk in the theatre, you're going to really feel like you're, you're on, on, that, on that second worst beach yeah. with the two lifeguards. <laughs> Maybe not the holiday you'd be thinking of in uh, Lanzarote. But <laughs> and the last two months have been uh, weekend day trips to um, beaches to collect Bits of old rubbish that have washed up. <laughs> yeah, bits yeah. of seaweed, driftwood. So so you're cleaning up the beach. We are yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. We've done most of Cork by now. And I saw you, you. You put a little. You made a little video clip. We did. Yeah, yeah um, which was filmed uh, down near Yall. And uh, it was a great fun day, but the tide started to flush in when we needed to do some of the filming at the end. So we were poor Jenny got soaked. I, well, I was just going to say that was you lying in the. I was thinking, oh God, I hope it's a warm day. Yeah. <laughs> it was going to get hypothermia. <laughs> it was pretty cold afterwards, but all for a good cause. Yeah, yeah. no, it was great. And the other two um, actors on stage with you, Dylan? Uh, so Sean Ahern is back with us again. Um, we love working with Sean, he's brilliant. I just finished the Drama League of Ireland uh, All-Ireland Festival and uh, he was super in that in Chapati. And then we have uh, a new graduate from the Lear, uh, Dara Feely. So it's a real mix of, you know, Sean's 20 odd years of experience and Dara's a new new graduate with new energy. So And it's, it's important balance. to give the new graduates. Yeah, exactly. Like we felt that coming out, you know, to 
to have an opportunity to play. It's a leading role that he's playing, so um, it's a it's a gift of a part, and it he's really doing is. a super job. Yeah, and yeah. A, and Dara, a bit like Dylan, had his first like started off at the Cork Arts Theatre, where that's where he would have done his first plays, and now he's coming back after graduating and and in the Cork Arts Theatre. So he's delighted to come full circle. Okay. Yeah. that's how you started as well, Dylan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. growing up with the Monforts, there was there always the Cork Arts mm. Theatre or the Cat Club, as we used to call it. The then. Cat Club, um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and to come home and the first play I did since coming back from London was in the Cork Arts Theatre. So it's lovely to it's like touch full, base. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's exactly. like a full circle. And I remember when when you joined us, as I say, uh, back in 2018, 2019, uh, Red and Blue, that's the, the name of your, your theatre company. Uh, you just, your husband and wife team, you, you just uh, set, set it up. You, you did the debut production, uh, Love, Love Song. That did remarkably well for oh, you, Jenny. Oh, it really Jenny. did, Patricia. At the start, when we're just rehearsing it, and there's only the four of us, and we think, yeah, this could be really good. And that first night when we performed it, we'd, and the audience were just, they just loved it. We had standing ovations for every performance of it. The whole run sold out in Cork, and what we brought it to Dublin. We had a fantastic time with it. And we were so naive, weren't we, just starting off being like, look, let's find a play we love. Let's work together again, because that's how we met. And we said, we'll find something that we're really passionate about. And I guess the success of that and the fun of that and the joy we had really inspired us to be like, well, let's do more. And we said after COVID, then we better find a play that's going to make people laugh and smile because we all need that's more of that every, in our lives. Everybody needs. But I remember yeah. at the time thinking, very brave of you to set up a theatre company. And, you know, because it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, it really is. I guess we're blessed with an awful lot of support and help from family and friends and from the community, like, and people who will be like, yes, you can have that and you can have this prop and do you want to rehearse in our space? And I think in London we would never have done it because we wouldn't have we wouldn't have had the support around us. But I feel like it's more possible in Ireland to do that. Yeah. And we have such a fantastic amateur dramatic. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It is incredible. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. There's just, and so many of them could be on the stage professionally. Absolutely. Yeah. We 100%. Yeah. And that's how I started. Yeah. It's fant- the opportunity. You came through. Yeah, I worked with Brideview in, yeah. in Tello and yeah. I worked with the Palace Players in Kilworth. Yeah. And the opportunities to like really learn on the job and go on the festivals and um, and learn from the, the notes you get and from working with the directors was fantastic. And the mm. following, the people like turn out in their droves to see the plays. It's amazing the mm. support that that scene has. And as you say, the, the standard is fantastic and, yeah. and, and so many of them could. And be, people yeah. sit in drafty community halls yeah. and hard seats yeah. and they don't care no. because what they are witnessing on the stage is, yeah. is spellbinding. Yeah. And then I have to mention, you were doing so well and then a pandemic decides to arrive. Right. Yeah. I know. And, um, what, 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 what did you guys do? Well, we we were in the midst of planning to do this play and um, the rights weren't available when we first applied back in 2017 or 18. And then they were and we were like, yes, great, let's do it. Obviously, then it all came to a stop. Um, so we started doing lots of voiceover work at home great. and that kept us kind of ticking over. And uh, and Jenny uh, did her own uh, showreel stuff to help get herself out there. I was studying, so I finished uh, my degree. Um, so... In many ways, it was a shame, but in other ways, we kind of made the most of the mm. the time, I suppose, like yeah. lots of people. Yeah. So did, yeah. did, did lockdown suit you? Didn't. Well, I think you're still, con- you're still together. You well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the that's true. Thank God for the garden. <laughs> Take a break on the garden. But it, but um, it was it was tough on, on your profession. It was. It definitely was. Yeah. And of all the professions. Yeah, it really was. And it was such a gamble to even do this, to be honest, because I know things are coming back now, but when we put the name on the paper we hadn't would be allowed back in and you know you have to have a certain number of people coming in the door so that you 
don't make a loss. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Financially yeah. viable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a gamble, total gamble. Mm. Mm. And is, is it going to take a while for your industry to really say, oh, we're back now? Do you think do you think it's going to take time or, or do you think you're there already? Do you think? I'm not sure. We went to see some of the shows, the amateur shows, and they had full houses, the ones Did that they? I went to. Yeah. 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 But I guess I guess everyone has to come at it from their own um, place, don't they? Um, You'd hope so. You'd hope, yeah. I think there's probably a bit of a journey to go yet. Just from yeah. talking to people in the Cork Arts Theatre and so on, I'd say it'll take a bit of time for the trust and the routine and the habits to build back up. But there's also this hunger, isn't there, I think? Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. There yeah. is something magical about being at a live show. Yeah. You know, be it a play, a comedy, be it, uh, you know, going to a concert, going to a gig. Like we've, we've, it's in our DNA, I yeah, think, almost. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? You and know? it's a celebration of life yeah. in a way, isn't it? People yeah. all coming together and sharing a story. Like, you know, that's, I don't know, there's something instinctive or inherent about it that just yeah. goes back hundreds of years mm. now we um, need to get bums on seats yeah, at the Cork Arts Theatre you're opening next Tuesday isn't it yeah Tuesday the 31st and we're on for 10 nights until the 11th of June okay and booking mm. is available on the Cork Arts Theatre website okay and then will you it will be a phenomenal success I shall predict that <laughs> <laughs> have, have you plans then uh, Jenny what next what, I mean you um, won't just leave the flags there then no, will we, you we won't we're bringing it no. to Gartreline and Waterford Are you? Yeah, yeah from the 15th to the 18th of June um, and because we think this play is really special we'd love for it to have a life thereafter we'd love to tour it if we could further down the line we have to go with the first few rungs of the ladder first but we have an amazing set and it's an amazing play that nobody's seen before so we really feel like and it's a comedy and very funny so we think the combination of those make it something that would really work for a tour so that would be our long term plan but we'll just enjoy the moment now of being in Cork and in Waterford for now anyway yeah yeah and where are you living at the where are you living at the moment we're on the border pretty much uh, Bally Saggart um, so oh, we're on the Waterford yeah. side of the border yeah Dennis um, from Glenville so yeah, yeah. you're Glenville so and you're uh, Bally Saggart you're Bally Saggart yeah. oh, okay oh that's yeah. your home yeah that is it home. is okay. yeah. so will you have family Heading to see the show. TV will and he- and family helping to bring the set in. <laughs> All of those things. The cattle box will be recruited <laughs> again <laughs> yeah. once more. Very much a family. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> Listen, it's it's we we wish you, we really do wish you uh, good luck uh, with this Bridget O'Connor's award winning comedy, The Flags, Cork Arts Theatre, Tuesday May thirty first to Saturday June eleven. The best of luck and as always has been a pleasure. Jenny Fennessy and Dylan Kennedy, thank you both for joining us in the studio. Thanks. Good morning much. to you. You're listening to Cork today. On on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Once again, uh, my thanks to Jenny Fennessy and Dylan Kennedy of the, who they are the uh, married couple and they set up, young married couple, they set up the Red and Blue Theatre Company, as I say. I remember having them in studio a number of years ago and then, of course, the pandemic uh, started. Somebody's just made the point, Katrina, saying they are just so full of energy. They were a joy to listen to. Uh, well done to them. They were, their, their energy is infectious. It is, it really is uh, infectious. And the play is called The Flags and I really do hope it is a, a big, big success for them at the Cork Arts uh, Theatre. Uh, we've got some tickets Barney do we to to give away uh, we've two pairs of tickets to give away to the opening night which is next Tuesday the 31st of May so we'll do it by phone we'll get it out of the way on the phone um, Bernie's, ta- Bernie's taking your calls 0818 103 103 would you like to go along to the Cork Arts Theatre next Tuesday night to see 
uh, the two the two lads Jenny and Dylan and the other two actors performing Bridget O'Connor's award winning comedy The Flags we can all do with a laugh and a good night uh, out the uh, caller 6 and 7 to get through to Bernie now on 0818 103 103 will each wear a pair of tickets to go to the Cork Arts Theatre as I say it's next Tuesday it's the opening night they've given us tickets for so if you would like a pair of those tickets get dialing now to Bernie 0818 103 103 uh, three. And there's rumblings of what might be contained in the next budget. I'm not quite saying this is kite flying yet, but making the papers today, some of the things that we can expect in the budget next October, and obviously this is the time when the planning goes on between the three main coalition parties of what they want included in the budget. And so many people are saying we want something to be included in the budget to do with the cost of living. There's talks of things like new childcare subsidies. There's talks of things like the public transport fare reduction more of those are keeping them in place. Reduced health costs. I think a lot of people would be agreement in that at, with that at both hospital and pharmacy uh, level. They're all some of the things that will be part of the makeup of budget 2023. 20, uh, now, third level education uh, costs. Uh, they're talking about lowering those. The outline of the new cost of living packages already taking shape after the last budget did see a dedicated series of inflation reliefs and that was for the first time uh, in many many decades we we suddenly had inflation rising and the government needed to do something about it so both the Taoiseach and the Thánaiste are indicating that further measures are on uh, the way. Now there could be increased universal childcare subsidies that's something that's been looked at that would be for all parents while the recent temporary reductions in public transport costs and that's been a big help to people who regularly use public transport it's likely that they could make them permanent because those reductions at the moment are due to run out at the end of the year but that's something that could be included that they will just leave those in uh, place now it has also emerged that planners are concentrating on areas including the cost of putting children through college If you've got a son or daughter in third level education or about to go into third level education, the costs can be really, really shockingly high for families. And if you are a family living in a rural area, you've got additional costs because, of course, the student, you have to cover the cost of accommodation where it's different for somebody in an urban area where a son or daughter can go to a university that's just down the road or a bus right away or a train right away. If you're in a very rural area, your son or daughter, you need to provide uh, accommodation. So they're looking at something that can be done to help out families with children in third level education. They're looking at cost of health care, uh, a drive to extend GP visit cards. That's something that's been looked at. And also the, the hospital charges. What is it? 80 euro a day if you end up in hospital up to a maximum, think of 800 euro a year. Looking at things like medicine uh, uh, costs. The Department of Health seemingly has entered talks with the Irish Medical Organisation to expand free GP care to children aged six and seven. While great news for family with young children, the problem I foresee straight away is we have a bigger issue when it comes to GPs. We don't have enough GPs to handle all of the work and any GP practice will tell you when you issue free GP cards to children, what has a tendency to happen is parents use the service more when they're not paying for it. They're in more often and that obviously puts additional strain on the GP practice. Fianna Fáil also want a further reduction in the drugs payment scheme. That's the amount of 
money that any one family can spend on drugs every month. Now it's already come down in fairness it was 114 and they've got it down to uh, 80. They're talking about dropping it uh, again. Free contraception for women aged 17 to 25 that's uh, due to be that hasn't been introduced yet has it? That got announced in the last budget that's due to come in this year but the hunt is on for further targeted efforts possibly in the area of period poverty that's become a big big issue for many women in this country isn't that shocking to think that we would ever talk about a case where somebody some woman is having her periods and doesn't have any of the products that she needs to allow her to lead a normal life the Green Party they want to use corporate and indirect tax revenues to ease the price spiral for ordinary citizens according to one spokesperson for the Greens they believe that any measures should be targeted at those affected by price inflation and they want to focus on areas where the state can reduce the cost of living and contribute to our climate goals you would expect that from the Greens and Fianna Gael they believe there's room to um, ramp up cost rental and affordable housing schemes and obviously that would help to ease the national accommodation crisis so it's just starting to hear kind of the floaters are coming out of the as I say they're not quite kite flying yet as we get closer to the time there'll be loads of they'll do loads of kite flying to see what they could they think they could get past and what they can't get past but at the moment that is what the government appear to be looking at 0818 103 103 and congratulations to our winners heading off for a night of belly laughs to the Cork Arts Theatre next uh, Tuesday to see the flags uh, going along Eileen Collins in Clonakilty and Bridget Ratz Turnpike Cross in Donnerail. Congratulations Eileen and Bridget and we hope you have a lovely lovely night out at the Cork Arts Theatre and tickets are available uh, through booking at the CorkArtsTheatre.com and there's also a booking office at 021 4505624 and the play will run from next Tuesday 31st of March through to Saturday June 11th. Okay let me just clear WhatsApp sorry I'm, I'm talking and doing something at the same time because I want to keep those gardening questions that have come in for Peter because it is time for us to get qualifier number where are we at today Wednesday qualifier number three as we're celebrating Cork's first ever Sky Shop it's opening today on the ground floor at Mahan Point Shopping Centre and on Friday one of our lucky listeners from the five that will qualify across the week are going to win the ultimate home cinema package it's worth €2,000. There's a projector, there's a projector screen, there's a home cinema sound system and the good people at the Sky Store have also given us €100 in vouchers so that the winner can check out the latest movies on Sky. All this week I'll be playing a clip of a show taken from the Sky Store. I gave you two possible answers and you've got to work out which show this clip has come from. I think this one is pretty... Well, this is easy if you're a fan of the programme. Okay, take a Listen to the clip first. No, you're just gonna light the biggest fire the North's ever seen to let them know you're coming. You know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> so what is the show? It's either A, Game of Thrones, or B, Resident Alien. I need you to WhatsApp or text your answer along with your name and address to 0862. 103 103 and we will take entries for about 10 minutes No, you're just going to light the biggest fire the North's ever seen to let them know you're coming 
You know nothing, Jon Snow. No, oh, does Jon Snow know nothing or what? If you know the answer, get texting or WhatsApping on that one, please. A, Game of Thrones, or B, Resident Alien. What programme does that come from that we selected from the Sky uh, Store? Uh, we will select our qualifier for today. They'll go forward to the draw on Friday when we'll give away that home cinema package. But remember, today is the day that the Sky Shop, the first ever Cork Sky Shop, is opening on the ground floor at Mahon Point Shopping Centre. And we wish everybody good luck with it. Now, what else is coming in just on the programme? I can see gardening questions coming in. Keep those coming. Best way at the moment for gardening questions because the text message and certainly the WhatsApp is getting swamped with entries to the Sky Shop competition. If you give Bernie a call, she's taking calls for gardening questions 0818 103 103. And you can just hold off on texting or WhatsApping. We can do that in a couple of minutes. And just to let you know, Eileen out on Bear Island has been on to say she has spoken with the gentleman whose name was put forward for help for Eileen. And he's going to actually call out to see her He's going to go out to Bear Island. Well done. Gentleman called Donald will say no more. Well done, Donald, to see if he can help her and she will let us know and update us. It's not the house she's living in. It's a, a priest's house on Bear Island that she helps to clean. Uh, it's And it's not always open. It's not used all the time. She went into some cleaning and she noticed that there's bees inside. So listen, we'll, we'll update you on that. And thank you to um, people who were just worried about Eileen and thought that it was the house she was living in. It's not. It's just a house. It's a priest's house on Bear, Bear Island that she does some work uh, in. OK, Eileen, good luck with that and let us know how you get on, please. Colm and Butterfield was on when we were talking about insurance and insurance costs. He reckons there's a lot of people making a lot of money out of false claims and he is saying that it isn't just the legal profession. It isn't just the lawyers and the solicitors. There's a lot of other industries, as our column and Butterfield, who are benefiting from false claims and it's the point I'm always making about false insurance claims. We all suffer because ultimately we all pay more on our insurance premiums. If we didn't have any of those false claims, are people going and making a claim when really they weren't very injured at all? Are they a false claim? They're certainly an over-exaggerated claim. We all pay one way or the other, be it on a car insurance, our house insurance, our health insurance. Everybody everybody suffers. 0818 103 103. Uh, Hi Patricia, I... Oh, before I get to that, somebody was listening to my chat with the two lads from Jenny and Dylan, the two lads from the Red and Blue Theatre Company and their production of The Flags coming to the Cork Arts Theatre next week. And somebody says, hi Patricia, just a suggestion. Maybe when they, when they're talking about that comedy play, The Flags, the fact that they said that the author's dad came from Newmarket, wouldn't it be nice to put the play on in the Newmarket New Culture Centre, says Helen. It's the old Protestant church. That's, yeah, that wasn't that be It would be really almost the play completing a full circle, wouldn't it? Bring it home to where the playwriter's dad once came from. Yeah, that is a really, really nice thought. Well, I know Dylan and Jenny would like the idea of travelling with it and touring with it but this is their first kind of toe back in the water pun unintended when it's a, a play set on the beach but it's it's their first you know back a- after the pandemic and I just feel so much for everybody in that industry that's why so 
we really need to support them we really really do need to support them and that's why we're wishing them all the very best of luck but it would be lovely to think that a play written by a lady called Bridget O'Connor she was a BAFTA award winning author uh, playwright and screenwriter and unfortunately she died in uh, 2010 she was only 49 but her dad by all accounts came from Newmarket good suggestion Helen thank you for that and then somebody else says Patricia heard you mentioning and reading out what's contained in the papers today about some of the possible things that could happen in next October budget we're at the stage the government are at the stage where all of the the main coalition parties are sitting down and they're putting forward their wish list and what they think needs to be included and not included in for budget 2023 and I was going through some of the suggestions that are that it seems the various parties want things like new childcare subsidies the public transport the fare reductions leave those in place there also looks like there's going to be help for families who've got sons or daughters in third level education particularly those from rural areas who face the additional cost of accommodation it's just some of the things that we mentioned and also for younger children there's talks like expanding the free GP care people who have to buy medication every month the drug payment scheme it's looking like there'll be changes in that as well well that's prompted somebody to say Patricia when you what you were reading out from the papers regarding the budget at the end of the day it's absolutely nothing in it that will help with the cost of living nothing regarding heat nothing regarding petrol diesel or the cost of groceries which is what is the problem at the moment there is too much emphasis being placed on childcare and third level education but really what is missing is housing heat fuel and food that has to be prioritised in fairness to the government I think they're just starting the process of putting together what they need for the budget I imagine closer to the date we'll be hearing a lot more and you're right I mean they accept themselves that they need to do something around the cost of living and it was only in in last year's uh, budget it was the first budget in many many years um, that they looked at uh, things that had to be done there was a dedicated series of inflation reliefs for the first time in decades so they're going there certainly will be more inflation reliefs contained as to what they'll target it's too early to say thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie And can we wish the best of luck to Donnerail Men's Shed they will host their inaugural meeting tonight at half past seven in the community centre now they're appealing for people to please come along and help make the launch uh, of Donnerail Men's Shed successful Shambhalimore community are inviting people to your golden hour coffee mor- morning uh, it's starting it's on today actually in the community centre everybody's welcome to come along and share a cuppa and chat and you're sure of a warm welcome Kildalbury Community Development they'll host their weekly lotto draw tomorrow 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the community office with a jackpot this week of €3,600 and the Sacred Heart Parish Centre that they're based on the Western Road they will open tomorrow to accept donations of plants bric-a-brac etc for their sale and their sale is happening this coming Saturday and Sunday Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103103 Now more than 260 providers of private childcare have warned that they may have to close their doors after accusing the government of squeezing them out of the sector. To find out more, I'm joined by Elaine Dunn. Now, Elaine is chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Good afternoon to you, Elaine. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're, Thank you for having well, me. Well, you're very welcome. Is your industry, like so many other industries, simply struggling with the rising cost of just doing business? Oh, absolutely. And look, we've been chronically underfunded for many years. Um, this new core funding that has been introduced is leaving out a small cohort of providers known as the ECC service providers. And uh, they would literally just break even. And yet all of our costs are rising. Everything has gone up. And we all have to look at even families, you know, doing your grocery shopping every week. You can see that everything is rising, you know. And we're just getting nothing to break even from a new core funding that is coming in from government. is just wrong. Yeah, and, and I know and it's, it's, it's billed as, you know, it's 221 million euro, this core funding. So when you see that amount of money, yeah. you think this, this must be great. This is, this is exactly what the sector okay. needs. <laughs> so, so, so break it down. What is wrong with this new core funding programme? OK, so, so um, for the larger services, absolutely, it's fantastic. And for any parents and for children who are of under the age of three, it's fantastic. They've finally been recognised and the funding is going to go in there. But for the ECC services that open three hours a day in small communities across the whole country, these are the ones that are being impacted the most. And now they're feeling that they are being forced to close their doors. And that, that is what it looks like. So I, I'll give you, for instance, on my, my service. So I have two services. I have a full-day care and I have a part-time service. So for my part-time service, core funding will bring €59.08 a week to me. That's it. 59 euro no and 8 cents a week for my service for sustainability <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, impossible to, I, that's I, impossible to run a business on that absolutely and everything has gone up so my rent my heating um, my my electricity my food bills everything has gone up for me um, this is all I'm going to get so like that is making my business unsustainable so the only people that I can ask for help are my parents and I have asked my parents and I've spoken to all of my parents, and they are absolutely willing to help me. I mean, we're not allowed to ask. In the ECC services, that three-hour alone, you're not allowed to ask for a voluntary contribution. You're not allowed to charge for optional extras. There's so many rules around it, which is making these service types unsustainable. There's no viability whatsoever for them. So I, I maintain you're going to see an awful lot more than 264 closures next year. We already saw four this week. One that closed the doors last Friday and just said she couldn't take it anymore. Done. And and the stress uh, and strain yeah. these providers are under is appalling. And under the ECCE, this is the the early childhood care and education. The the state pays a set amount yeah. per child, uh, and then in in uh, in return, the the child gets their free preschool uh, place. Are you saying that if parents wanted to give you a top up, are you saying you couldn't accept it? No, we're not allowed um, under the rules of this uh, core funding and under the rules of the ECCE, we're actually not allowed now, they're telling us we can't accept voluntary contributions, we can't charge for the little extras, that we can't do an extra half hour, so there's so many no's, we're just been hit with a brick wall and the brick wall has to come down because if it doesn't come down, you're going to see an awful lot of parents stranded with no childcare for these children. I mean, these services are absolutely top quality services. Anybody that knows these type of services, you know what they bring into the community. It's not just looking after the children and teaching the children. It's also a community. It's parents all meeting together, coffee mornings, grandparents mornings. There's so much more involved in running these types of services. And these are the ones that are going to be gone all over the country, and in particular in those small rural communities as well. And a small rural community, 
you know, that this little school will be the, the centre of, of the community and would be really bringing people together. And they're going to be gone. Hmm. They're going to be extinct in no time. Well, I, I, know, I, I know when I mentioned that you were going to be joining us on the programme today, we had some parents saying they're terrified if their childcare provider decided to close down in the morning because they don't have a lot of choice, particularly those that are in There's no choice. rural areas. Yeah, no, and, and they're right. And we don't, trust me, um, and I'll say this to all parents, the last resort would be for us to close their doors. But the parents are going to have to help us here to fight this cause. We do have a, um, an email going out to all services um, tomorrow and it's a letter to all of the parents and it's asking parents to please come on board and help us save these little services because they are badly needed across the country. We, we, full day carers don't have the space for these children and what's going to happen is parents only want those three hours so if, if parents may be at home or grandparents or aunt your uncle might be minding the children in the afternoon so they only want those three hours and if they try to come into a full day care service they, they may be forced to pay much higher fees. Mm. They mm. will have for, fees forced on them and why should they? So parents need to understand where we're coming from. Nobody wants to hit the parents, but if a parent wants to give a contribution per year, why why shouldn't we accept it? Why are we being stopped? And yet the Department of Children say that the majority of services will see an increase in funding with the core funding pro- programme that comes in, in in September. But you're saying that that's not the case and that's not what you're hearing from your members. No, no, no. I mean, SJ services are not seeing this. And some of the, the, the services, like you just heard me, a part-time service, I'm getting 59 euros and 8 cents. I don't call, call that a great uh, amount of money to save my business. Would, would you call 59 euros no, and 8 cents a no, great amount you, of money? No, well, you, 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 you can't run a business on that. It's impossible. No, no. And then there's other people that are getting 40 euros and 39 euros for the week. And, and like... How is that going to give us sustainability? Another service are getting seven euros a month per child extra. Se- or, yeah, seven euros a month. So the fight, the, 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 you've got a campaign on your hands now between now and September. Oh, well, we absolutely do. And, and there, there are, you know, there, there are lots of other options that we are looking at at the moment. And, you know, we're hoping to get into Leinster House to, to um, speak as well in, in there and, you know, to fight for these service providers. But it will take parents to come on board here and, and to, to start getting in touch with their local TDs and stand up for the rights of your child to be taught in an ECHE service. Mm. Stand up for your child's rights because that's what this is about. Yep, Children absolutely. have rights and we have a right to run a business that's sustainable. You well, know? Uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more about this, uh, Elaine, between now and September, so no doubt we'll chat again. But listen, I really appreciate you talking to us today because I only found this out no yesterday. Problem. You're on your honeymoon in Tenerife taking our call today. <laughs> I am. Now, in fairness, it's a honeymoon that we should have had uh, two and a half years ago, but because of COVID, we didn't oh. get to have it. So, uh, so we're here. We're here in Tenerife. And I'm happy to come on because I feel this I is know. a really important time for these service providers and for the parents involved. OK, so the honeymoon is going well anyway, is what you're saying. Honeymoon is going great. Good, good. <laughs> I'll let you get back to it, but I do appreciate it. And we will talk All again right. when you're back from honeymoon. But thank you for taking time out to talk to us Absolutely. today, Elaine. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so that much. is uh, Elaine Dunn, who is chair of the Federation of Early Childhood uh, Providers. And as I say, I do think we're going to be hearing a lot more about that because when that core funding uh, comes in, so many of the providers are not happy with what the government have put in place. Even though, as I say, on paper, it's €221 million. Euro. It is a lot of money, but it doesn't look like they're talking to a lot of the providers 
providers as to how it is going to affect uh, them. 0818 103 103. Do I, oh, OK, you can stop texting and WhatsApping us on our competition for Sky the Sky Shop opening today. No, you're just going to light the biggest fire the North's ever seen to let them know you're coming. You know nothing, Jon Snow. And everybody knew when we were talking about Jon Snow we had to be talking about Game of Thrones. Everybody, don't think there's any wrong answer uh, today. And we have selected our winner, our, not our winner, our qualifier for today. And our qualifier is Shane O'Brien Grange in Fomoy. Congratulations, Shane O'Brien Grange in Formoy, you are forward to the grand draw on Friday and you could win for yourself the ultimate home cinema package worth €2,000 projector, projector screen, home cinema sound system and €100 in Sky Store uh, vouchers for you to check out all of the latest movies on Sky. We will play another clip from another show that we've taken from the Sky Store tomorrow and again we'll give you two possible answers and your chance again you'll be texting or whatsapping us all to celebrate the first ever Sky Shop opening today on the ground floor at the Mahon Point Shopping Centre 0818103103 OK we've cleared the text message service now if you've got a gardening question for Peter you can get it into us by text or WhatsApp Bernie of course is also taking the calls and I can see lots of questions coming in for uh, Peter we will be going to him in just a moment but before we go to that can I just give a quick mention to the Better Life Cycle Group. They're based in Mitchellstown and they've been doing fantastic fundraising for a number of years on behalf of St. Joseph's Foundation and they're back out cycling again this year and their fundraising cycle this year is based in and around Clonakilty. Now the date for the cycle is the 25th of June so it's about another month away but the reason I'm mentioning it now is you need to register in advance of that date and the registration date the closing date for registration is fast approaching. They're going to have two routes on offer as they normally do. For the very experienced cyclists, there is a 123 kilometre cycle and then there's a second shorter cycle, 65 kilometres. Both routes will start and finish on June 25th at the Clonakilty Park Hotel in Clonakilty. The 123 kilometre route will head north of Clonakilty. They'll go through, they'll go through Dalmanway, Bandon, Kinsale, Timaleague and then return to Clonakilty while the 65 kilometre route will head north out of Clonakilty but they'll go through Enniskeen, Bandon, Kilbritton, Timaleague and then return to Clonakilty and better life uh, cycle have been a great support to St Joseph's Foundation. Actually, a lot of people in the North Cork area may have uh, spotted a bus that they purchased for St Joseph's Foundation and it has the Better Life Cycle printed on the side so you'll see it and that's the type of thing that they do that came from last year's cycle the money I raised so they're, they're an incredible bunch and I've known people have taken part in this cycle and everybody says it is a fun fun day out uh, as well uh, so if you want to get involved in that just to let you know that the closing date for registration is fast approaching and you can uh, get on through Event Master. I can contact St Joseph's Foundation, but good luck to everybody in the Better Life Cycle Group in Mitchellstown. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. I'm Peter Dowd on the Irish uh, Joining me on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. 
Good afternoon, Trish. And I said I join I join you from the garden today, as opposed to taking for the indoors. But I think it might rain yet, so I might yeah, be heading yet for the indoors. Yeah, it's threatening rain, but then they're they're threatening some sunny spells this afternoon as well. The only I was just looking at the weather forecast. Saturday is going to be a scorcher. They're saying twenty degrees and nice sunshine all day. So there you go. Mallow show. It's always good weather I, for Mallow I, I show, said, isn't it? I said the same thing. I said the same thing. They can get a bit of rain today. It'll just help all the plants and then the, the sun will shine. OK, let's get straight into questions. Lots and lots of questions coming into you. Sean and Clannacilty says, could you ask Peter, is there likely to be potato blight in this current spell of weather? It's a bit early, I would think, for it. But I mean, obviously, I, I can't predict the future, but I would say it's a bit early for potato blight now, but it has been very damp, but then it hasn't been that warm. So my gut would say no, not right at the moment. But um, but but unfortunately, who knows? Hi, uh, Peter. Any tips on getting rid of three cornered leeks from the garden? We've always had them there and I actually think they're a lovely plant, but I've only recently realised that they're non-native, very invasive and bad for local biodiversity. They're taking over the garden this year. Yeah, they are quite attractive and uh, the same with the wild garlic, which isn't, of course, as much of a problem. But the three-cornered leek is a bit of a bully. And any of these, I don't mind it being non-native. I, I don't mind plants being non-native because many of the plants that we enjoy so much in Ireland are non-native. But I do, obviously, I mind it being invasive. I don't, unfortunately, have a magic wand as to its control. The only thing you can do, really, is is get out there with a shovel and or even a decent hand trowel and just try... You know what? It's try to stay on top of it as opposed to trying to eradicate it. But... Um, it, the only thing is it comes out relatively easily it's just there's a lot of work in it because there's probably quite a lot of it there but no I don't have a, a, any magic one in fact one thing I might suggest just um, a bed I, I, in my own garden that I did recently now we didn't have three cornered leek in it but I did have that Japanese anemone you know the the autumn anemone which yeah. you know lots of people grow as a plant because it's a beautiful flower but it does take over it's just as vigorous now, uh, and as you know I, I won't use weed killers or chemicals on it and that is more difficult to eradicate by digging. So what I did, I I put a biodegradable weed block over it. So I don't use this black plastic weed block because I just don't like it. It's very bad for the soil. But uh, you can get a biodegradable one. You can even use cardboard or, or wet newspaper as a weed block on top of it. And then I've just mulched over it with soil, homemade compost, uh, and home my own wood chippings from from prunings and that over the, in the garden. Uh, I so I've on top of the mulch I've put maybe I suppose about eight inches of organic material. And that is going to, well, I say through crossed fingers, that is going to to suffocate and smother, if you like, the anemone beneath, uh, I hope. Uh, and you could do the same. You see, the reason I'm hesitating here is because that's not always practical. It depends where the wild garlic is. If it's a wide open area and you can do that, like the situation I'm talking about, that's fine. But if it's kind of coming up through plants and everything, then it's going to be more awkward, I'm afraid. But if it's a wide open area, put down some organic weed block, like cardboard or, or a shop bought one, about eight inches of it's like it's the no dig method of vegetable gardening if you like just transferring it over to here just just suffocate it yeah yeah that could work that certainly could work uh, hi uh, Peter could you tell me what's possibly going on with my lawn there's big patches of the grass turning brown and it's died and the crows are constantly pecking at it that's from Teresa that is most likely um Leather jackets, leather jacket, uh, there's leather jackets under the soil, leather jacket, the daddy long legs, if you like. So they're 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 laying their eggs. The, the grubs for the daddy long legs are called the leather jackets. Now it's early in the year to see birds pecking at them, but that brown patches in the soil means there is activity underneath there that, that they've burrowed there. They're laying their le- eggs and the, the crows now and later throughout the summer, the crows will be going for it. 
So what can you do? So, sorry, so that's sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. problem. What's the solution? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the solution is less less easy. I'm afraid you can get nematodes. There is a nematode you can get. Now, a nematode is just a parasitic insect, Trish, that'll feed on the grub of the leather jacket. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the specific nematode that will treat leather jacket. But a quick search online, uh, and you will find one. And that's the biological way, and the, the totally environmentally sound way, and very effective way uh, of of dealing with it. And that will work, Margaret in Castle. Yeah. Could you ask Peter how much copper? Copper sulphite should I add to the water to spray on hydrangeas and other shrubs? If you're spraying copper sulphate as as a, a fungal uh, prevention, which I imagine is, is what she's talking about, um, it does depend on where you get it. So if you get it from a kind of a, an agricultural co-op store or something, it'll be sold in one form, uh, like as bluestone. Whereas if you buy it in a garden centre, it'll be called copper mixture. So the rates will vary. If you buy it in the garden centre, it's it's like a white powder. Uh, and I think from, from memory, and I'm pretty sure I'm accurate, it's 35 grams to one and a half litres of water. If you're buying it from like a co-op or an agri supplies, I would check with them uh, to get an exact answer. And that's if you're using copper sulphate. However, when she says she's treating the, the hydrangea with it, I wonder, is she talking about aluminium sulphates, which you'd use to change the colour of a hydrangea? But we'll she stick says with copper and, sulphate just for this question. Says, but yeah. She says, and other shrubs. Yeah, so it's probably a general yeah, a general yeah. fungal prevention, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Anne says, I can nearly tell, her, tell the answer to this one. Hi, Peter, I've just found two lots of knotweed growing in my garden. Is there anything I can do to get rid of it myself? Uh, no, is yeah. the textbook answer. Yeah. Um, you have to, you should really get on to one of the specialist companies. There's two, uh, I don't know if there's many more, there's certainly two in Ireland. I think one is Japanese Knotweed Ireland and the Japanese Knotweed Company or something like that. But whoever you're going to get to deal with it, just make sure that they are registered and licensed to protect yourself here is what I'm talking about because yeah. there are legal implications to having it on your property, particularly if it spreads from your property or if you ever went to sell the property. So you do need to be covered uh, and don't let anybody, anybody cut it back for you and remove the trimmings or dig it out and say, I'll dump that in the landfill. That's all completely illegal. So uh, I, I don't mean to be alarmist or anything like that, but the, the correct thing to do is to get onto a registered contractor. Because it's the, 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 it's the disposing of it is the problem, isn't it? Well, you're not allowed. Yeah. You can't. You can't move it from your site. You're not allowed to move. And whatever anybody tells you, just to you're protect not, yourself, yeah. it's, it's, you're not allowed to take it off your site. Okay. Hi, Peter. I planted a flowering cherry tree a few months ago and the leaves at the top are withering. Would it be wind or did I not water it enough? It's both. It's the same answer, if you like. So if, if it's just planted a few months, it's still more or less new, if you like. So you still need to treat it like it's in a pot because the root the root system won't have got into the, the surrounding soil yet to get its own water. So it is wind that's drying it out. And obviously the way you counter, counteract that is by giving it more water. So it's it's both of the, both are causing the problem. Just give it more water. You can't really overwater it at the moment. Obviously nature has been doing it a bit during the last week, but but uh, even now again the soil is quite dry. So so do keep watering it, and it will it will be fine. I imagine. Okay, and some people have sent on pictures, which I can't send on to Peter at the moment because he's actually on the phone that we will be sending the pictures on to. So I'm going to have to send those on for next week and we'll hopefully get answers uh, to them then uh, next week instead. Okay, an email in from Martin. The potatoes I planted last year didn't grow, but they're growing now. Would they be okay to eat? 
It's very, it's an interesting one. I'm presuming from the, the sound of the question that he planted them at the right normal time of the year, like, you know, uh, late spring or, well, late winter, early spring. Um, and if they didn't grow last year and they're growing this year, it is a strange one. I've never heard of that before, unless you planted them, let's say, in the autumn. Um, but I don't see why they wouldn't be. No, absolutely. As, as soon as they, 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 as soon as they, they begin to, come into flower bud lift them and they should be fine there'd be no reason they wouldn't be fine to eat yeah yeah and then someone else wants to know would you ask Peter his opinion on the council appear to be not cutting the grass as much this year uh, one listener says she's heard it's to do with rewilding is that a good move absolutely it's a good move it's not just a good move it's an essential move now I'm not sure on saying that that the that is the reason the local authorities are, are reducing the, the cutting back I hope it is it may well be um it's an absolutely essential move because we need to maintain species. We need to reduce the risk of species extinction. And one way we can all do that is to, to leave wildflowers going. If you look, I was only driving home the other day and I passed what up to now would have been a well-maintained green area. And it, it, it hasn't been cut now for a few weeks. And it's like a sea of gold. It's just beautiful with buttercups. But we need to think differently. We need to stop seeing them as a weed and look at the beauty that they're, that, you know, look at it as a, the daisies and the buttercups. I just think it's, it's picture postcard gorgeous. Obviously, when it comes to say health and safety, that's paramount over everything that supersedes everything. So I mean, cutting back on, on blind corners and things like that will will need to to continue, obviously. But in areas where safety isn't an issue uh, and where public amenity isn't an issue, what I mean by that, Trish, is, you know, obviously you need to leave, you need to maintain areas for children to play and kids mm. out there and, and for people to walk. But where those aren't an issue, I think it's absolutely brilliant that they're not cutting it. Yeah, OK. And I love these kind of stories. Uh, Emma was on to us to say that her grandfather passed away uh, a couple of years ago and his house has now been sold. Emma is going to be spending the weekend at her grandfather's house and he was a great lover of daffodils. She wants to dig up some of the daffodil bulbs out of the garden before the house uh, is finally handed over. Uh, could you give advice on how she stores them and what she will do with the daffodil bulbs? Well, Emmy, I think your grandfather will guide you on this one. Don't worry. I lift them out of the ground when the foliage has died back, which is around now. So the foliage and the stems, once they go brown and have died back, even if they're not, and you have to take them out because obviously it's selling. So even if they're still green, it's not the end of the world. So remove all the foliage and when you have them out of the ground, just just wrap the bulbs even in a bit of newspaper or a, a dry brown paper bag, something like that. Store them. It's very, very easy. Store them somewhere cool and dry, uh, like a garden shed, something like that. Doesn't want to get warm or damp. Uh, and plant them out then again come the autumn September October on and I think they'll be fine Yeah and then her other sister is taking one of her granddad's roses by the way she says we do have the permission of the new owners they're not going to attack in the garden Uh, what advice would you have for the sister on the moving of the rose it's a very old rose Uh, she reckons it's been in the garden uh, over 30 years would it be there that long? Oh good easy and more and more more, much more yeah Um, I would suggest on this one, I know this depends on the permission, how how, how per- much permission you get from the new owners. Yeah. If they'd let it there and let you do it at the right time, you could do it now, but you, there's a huge risk of losing it. It's more probable that it, you would lose it by lifting it out of the ground now because it's the wrong time of the year. If the new owners are, are amenable and if they give you permission, the best time to do that, to lift that, would be December, January. Uh, and then it should move quite successfully. But moving it now... Uh, it will be less likely. However, if you have to move it now and if you don't, if you can't leave it till December, January, uh, just get as much of the, it's a taproot system with the roads, get as much of that root out of the ground as you can 
really cut it back hard over the ground. Don't be scared of cutting it back too hard. That won't be a problem. If it's going to survive, it'll regenerate quickly. Uh, you see, all the growth that's over the ground is going to lose water through a transpiration. So you, you want to reduce it losing water because it's not getting as much water because you've damaged the root system, uh, if you're still with me. So mm. get as much of the root out as possible, remove as much over the ground as possible and get it into somewhere and keep it very well watered over the next few months. But, 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 ideally, leave it till December, January. Yeah, talk, talk to the new owners. Okay, and somebody says, could you find out from Peter, what day is he in the Garden Centre? Uh, what day is he at the Garden Festival? I've enjoyed his seminars in previous years. What days are oh, you brilliant. doing? Brilliant. I'm there on Friday and I'm there on Saturday. I won't be there this year on Sunday, unfortunately. I'll be there on Friday and Saturday and I'm not 100%. I should have known. I should have checked this before I came on air. I'm not 100% certain of the time, but I think it's around one or two o'clock in the seminar hall in, in Mallow. Okay. Well, listen, enjoy, because I know you enjoy it. It's, it's an event you really oh, I enjoy. Love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Love it, yeah. Okay, pleasure as always. Thanks for that. Peter, we'll talk again next Wednesday. Thanks, Trish. Thanks Bye-bye. a million. That is uh, Peter Dowdle at theirishgardener.com. That's what I'll leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, who's been producing. Uh, John Paul is back with us tomorrow. Nick Witches for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.